0: Please can you remind me if you if you be so kind staring at Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm Lori LeBay, the host and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks, and I'm just thrilled to death that you are here joining us today. Um, for those of you that are new, because we always get new listeners all around the world, I just want to let you know who we are and what we're about briefly. Bottom line, Alzheimer Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort worldwide. And we believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations about life with dementia, that we're going to be able to improve lives and remove the stigmas attached to memory loss and allow people to continue to live with purpose, both those diagnosed and their loved ones. Together, we can help everyone understand the true needs of this disease and the power behind it. And... um, and change as as a society as a whole, and uh, as well as friends and family. At our core, we believe collaboratively is the only way we're going to win this battle. And so, again, I I really hope that you will join in on this conversation by sharing uh, sharing this show with other people. Um, today, we're going to be talking about NFL and brain injuries, and this is a hot topic. And it needs to get even hotter, I think, for things to truly change and people to understand the impact throughout life that uh, concussions can have and head injuries can have on us. And through your likes, through your shares, um, you really um, add a lot of power to not only our show but anybody that you choose to share information with you see we're so grateful because you've made us the number one influencer online regarding alzheimers according to share care and dr oz and the only way that happened was for for you as individuals to take those couple of seconds to share our information with your friends and your colleagues your twitter tribes your facebook friends your your linkedin colleagues your pinterest people Um, people need information, and they need it at different times. And the more we can get it out there, the easier it is uh, for people to grab it when they're ready, because like anything else, we can't force it down. Um, The other thing that I just want to say about Alzheimer's Speaks is you might be listening going, hey, I got a story to tell. And we're all about raising everyone's voice. So we would love to hear from you, and you can reach out to me by going to alzheimerspeaks.com. And up top, there's a big contact button. Uh, maybe you're living with dementia and want your story to be heard. Maybe you're caring for a loved one. Uh, maybe you're a researcher um, or an advocate or a movie director or an author. It doesn't make any difference. We want to hear from everyone because it takes all of us to really make change. Now, before I introduce our um, guest today, I want to just give you a couple of free offers that you can take advantage of. One is for FreshBooks, which is a free accounting system that you can utilize for 30 days by going to FreshBooks. uh, I'm sorry, go to gofreshbooks.com forward slash live. That's gofreshbooks.com forward slash live and check them out. The other is for... Um, audible, which is a great way, you know, we're, we're such a fast-paced society. Many of us don't have time to sit down and read a book, but we can listen in the car or while we're jogging or walking, um, or maybe just relaxing, trying to take a nap. And you can uh, get a free 30-day trial by going to audibletrial.com forward slash social. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash social so that 's enough of my housekeeping why don't we why don't we get to this show because again, I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation. Um, we are going to be talking with um, two great guys. The first is Dr. Jason Carthen, and he is known by some um, or to some as the leadership linebacker, um, or some just refer to him as dr jason he's a formal former professional football player for the world champion. New England Patriots. He's an international speaker, author, avid blogger, and media personality, along with a philanthropist. Um, and if you go to his website and just click on any of his videos, you know you're going to be just trapped because he really is engaging. Um, and today we're going to discuss with uh, with Dr. Jason um, his views on concussions and and football. So welcome, Dr. Jason. How are you today?
1: Oh, I am well and thank you so much for that introduction. Uh that's a lot to live up to, but I'll try. Uh,
0: it's, it's pretty simple. You go to your website and it's so impressive and you are so engaging and just so authentic, which is uh rare these days, um, to to feel somebody's passion come through, um, through video and, and through the internet. But it really It just bounces right off the machine and and hits you right in the soul. So I I thank you for your work. Um, Thank you. We're going to also have joining us for this conversation uh, Michael Durison, who suffered from a concussion while playing college football for IUPUI um, at the age of 18, and he's now 57 years old. He is a, um, in his professional career, he was a vice president for multiple companies, and managed turnaround teams. But in 2009, um, Mike was ruled as gravely mentally disabled by the government, and he was removed from the workforce. Currently, he's a philanthropist, and he's the founder of the Dave Durison Athletic Safety Fund, um, which provides national-wide concussion testing called IMPACT for student-athletes, 7 to 12, in honor of his brother, Dave. Um, the foundation also provides concussion education curriculum to school districts for children's um, grades kindergarten through 12, which I just think is amazing. So welcome, Mike. How are you today?
2: Very good, and thank you for that introduction as well.
0: Well, I am, like I said, I'm really excited to uh, to have you both with us today because uh You know, you're in the thick of this, and um, you've seen so much um, in your lifetimes in terms of of brain injuries and concussions and and sports. And we all know sports, you know, it's nothing that's going away. Um, but there's definitely some impact um, that we're seeing from this. So I'm going to throw the first question out to Dr. Jason. Can you just tell people how long did you um, play football, and and did you ever have a concussion um, during your your lifespan?
1: Well, um, you know, I started playing football when I was 9 years old Mm -hmm. and, you know, never stopped. I I wound up playing professionally for 4 years. Uh, before I had a knee injury, that stopped all of that. And to be honest, Lori, you know, it was a big deal to not let people know about uh, being hurt or injured or anything like that. And so there was probably some times that I did have my proverbial bell rung, Mm -hmm. and I didn't know it was a concussion. Um, But I had all of the uh, symptoms that a concussion is uh, really described as having right now. And I kept going, kept going anyway. And, you know, so I don't know exactly how many I would have had Mm -hmm. at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, But over that span of time, especially playing professionally, who knows exactly how many. But uh, really uh, challenging, you know, after experiencing some of those hits and actually giving some of those hits as well. So
0: Yeah, it is a give and take kind of game. That's for sure out there. And. And I think that's one of the tough parts with it, too, is you don't really know um, to what extent, um, you you know, has this had impact. Um, Do you ever, uh, uh, Jason, do you ever worry now about the knowledge that's out about concussions? Do you ever personally worry about what's happening with my brain and uh, am I going to see any major changes?
1: Um, Yes, you know, and just to... I guess provide a little bit of clarity. You know, I think it's one of those things that it's in the back of your mind. For me, it's in the back of your mind and little things begin to happen. And they've been happening now for uh, a few years. And you just sort of say, oh, that's because I'm getting older (laughs) or something like that. But it's very unsettling. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I do think about it. And I wonder, you know, uh, when something uh, may happen or if uh, what some people would say are symptoms uh, would get worse, uh, what that would look like. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always, uh, it's always in your mind, you know, just because of such, you know, such a dangerous game that we played and just some of the hits and, and all of that. So. Yeah.
0: Well, and it seems like uh, society loves to see those big bangs, you know, if it's in football or if it's in hockey, I mean, it's almost like we're encouraging it um, to see how hard people can get hit. And I think people are starting to, anyway, some people I think are starting to think twice about, you know, is that is that good um, for for our kids and for our men and women who are playing these games, you know. Uh, now with some of the new information out, so thank you for that, um, Michael. I'd like to ask you now. You um, you definitely have seen some impact. Um, you did suffer a concussion when you were playing basketball um, at the age of eighteen, but now you have been um, ruled gravely mentally disabled. Can you can you talk about that experience with us a little bit?
2: Well, actually, uh, yes. Um... The ruling as gravely mentally uh, disabled uh, came after a, a, what I thought was a very successful career. Uh, actually, in 2006, I was inducted into the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago, Illinois, as one of the top 10 African American engineers in the country, wow. uh, only to have 2009 come and be taken out of the workforce. Um, currently, I have been diagnosed as uh, pre Parkinson's. Uh, and uh, to your question to Jason, am I concerned about my future? Uh, yes, very much so, uh, because I've been diagnosed uh, as far as uh, psychiatric problems with everything probably with uh, the exception of Tourette's. Mm-hmm. And now the common uh, diagnosis is that on pre parkinsons mm-hmm. And that's something that is a very uh, devastating uh, disease. And it makes life have an urgency about it for me because I don't know how long I'll be able to continue to live life as I currently do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can see where that would be a, a huge, huge concern. Now, you also um, had a brother, uh, Dave Durison, and um, who can you tell, well, I'll let you tell the story a little bit about Dave and how you have come to um, this Athletic Safety Fund in his honor. Dave
2: uh, started his uh, Career as a football player, very young age. Attended Notre Dame. Uh, was the uh, co-captain of the team there. A very smart individual. He uh, graduated from Notre Dame with a degree in economics, uh, with honors. Uh, was drafted and played for the Chicago Bears and was on the '95 uh, Super Bowl Shuffle, uh, Chicago Bears. Uh, Pardon me, Jason, uh, since you're a Patriot, and in that game, Chicago uh, actually played the Patriots and won the Super Bowl, (laughs) and uh, then he played in the 90 Super Bowl with the New York Giants and won the second Super Bowl, and he was uh, the NFL man of the year twice, uh, once winning the Traveler's. Man of the Year, and then the second time winning the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. And his uh, NFL career was 11 years. He was successful in business, uh, got a uh, master's degree in business uh, at Harvard, and uh, was a supplier to McDonald's and Burger King and uh, many other companies in the meat uh, processing business. And then in 2011, uh, Dave took his life uh, while he was a member of the uh, NFL Disabilities uh, Commission, which was consisting of uh, three players and three owners uh, of the NFL. And then Dave took his life uh, February 2011 by uh, shooting himself in his heart. And uh, he sent out uh, a message to the family uh, to have his brain sent to the NFL Brain Bank, which is located at Boston University. Um, And uh, after the autopsy, they determined that he was in the fourth and final stage of CTE which is uh, CTE is very much in the news these days. There are a lot of people that are concerned about it. And Basically, it's a disease of the brain from uh, brain concussions that uh, never heal. And so it's one concussion after another after another, and uh, it's a dreadful disease. As a family, we never knew that Dave was going through that. He moved to a little island south of Miami and was uh, very much away from all of us uh, who live in the Midwest. Okay. And so we started the fund uh, a year after he passed uh, because as a family, we determined that the portion of the population that is not being given consideration as, gar- as far as concussion legislation and uh, treatment and prevention uh, are the kids uh, kindergarten through 12th grade and so we provide uh, concussion goggles which are simulators of concussion and give the kids the symptoms of concussion when they're wearing them and we're uh, currently uh, providing those and also the impact study which is a neurocognitive test has been used worldwide uh, in World Cup soccer, the NFL, the NHL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, boxing. And we're providing that at our cost to schools in the country. Uh, Our goal for 2016, 2017, is to provide those two technologies over thirteen thousand uh, schools in the country uh, we're basically trying to provide to the uh, one hundred largest school districts in the uh, in the country and uh, if we're successful, we will touch over seven point three million children uh, during this next school year
0: wow that is that is fabulous. Now um, I'm just going to ask you in terms of funding because you said you know you, you guys are eating that uh, that piece. Where do your funds come from? Are you are is it individuals? Is it corporations? Is it is it grants? Is it all of the above?
2: We have been fortunate to to get some grants. Uh, basically, up until this year, uh, the funding came out of. Uh, the income that my wife and I have, we got some, uh, some support from some smaller corporations. And then we have one larger corporation that provided funds. And then for uh, this current project, we have uh, been blessed with a very uh, significant contribution from uh, a corporate donor who has pledged donation for 20 consecutive years, and with the goal that we will provide the services that I mentioned to every public school in the nation.
0: Wow, that is fabulous. It's nice to see a business step up um, to help you get this good work done. This this education and protection and awareness is, is so vitally important. Um, now, one of the things, I, I'm going to switch gears a, a little bit here because I, I think if people haven't seen this film, I, I think they have to go watch it, the movie Concussion. And so I'm going to throw this um, to uh, Dr. Jason, then I'll come back to you again, Michael. Um, but Dr. Jason, have you have you watched the film Concussion at all? Um, I, I ended up watching it when I was traveling, when I was speaking, and I, I literally watched it twice in a row, and I never do that with a film. But I was just stunned by this film. It, it just really, really grabbed me, and the information, um, and the process of of one man's battle to to kind of bring this out into the world. Have you have you seen it?
1: I have, and I actually I had to purchase it and have it here, you know, so my own children could see it uh, one day. Because you know, at the at the end of at the end of the day, it really illuminates a lot of the uh, the challenges, whether some of those challenges were real or perceived <laughs> in the public's mind and some of the players' minds as well. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where they really dug into just some uh, relationships and communication and really got a lot of great feedback in order to make that movie. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that, you know, it really offers a sobering look at uh, some of the challenges uh, that not only the players face, uh, or also just uh, some of the red tape mm-hmm. they have to go through in order to receive treatment and care as well.
0: Yeah, it was it was very powerful. Now, now, Mike, um, were you? Uh, I know that you were involved a little bit with the film on a consulting basis, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct?
2: Uh, not this film. There are actually a couple of documentaries okay. that are currently being filmed that we're being consulted
0: on. Okay. Um, have you seen this uh, this Hollywood film though? The movie Concussion.
2: Yes, I have, and uh, we've been blessed with uh, free DVDs to supply to the uh, school systems that we're reaching out to. It's a part of our uh, administrative kit uh, that we supply for uh, the concussion goggles. We also include a copy of the movie Concussion so that the school administrators and teachers uh, can become informed regarding that. And my brother David is actually uh, played in that film. And uh, Sony has been very good to us to allow us to uh, utilize their their project and their their funds to uh, send that movie around the country.
0: Oh that is that is wonderful to hear that they are um being so gracious with that um because it it is so powerful and I think it's going to make uh kids and parents alike you know and again with teachers and coaches uh sports differently and um, the need for protection and you know the effects I, I, my heart just went out to the family struggling you know when they didn't know what was going on and um, to see these men take their lives because they, they didn't know what else to do and they're you know screaming out for help and and yet there wasn't there wasn't much help. Um, out there, you know, you'd like to see that door really open up, and it—it it seems like um, business-wise, I mean, people, you know, organizations are afraid of um, saying, you know, yes, we'll support this because, oh my gosh, what's it going to cost us with our bottom line? Um, but you know, it's the right thing to do to be able to so- support people through the risks of the game, if it's football, if it's hockey. Or whatever, and I think if we can at least help remove some of the fear and give people some support, and there's lots of things we can do to help a family understand this and, and the person diagnosed um, learn to live with it the the best they can. Um, you know, that's that's a huge gift. That really offsets a lot. It doesn't get rid of the disease, but at least it takes away the isolation. Um, which I think is is just so devastating to to so many people out there. And, um, you know, when I talk to people all over the world, um, you know, because of, you know, what I do, um, one of the things people with dementia say over and over and over again is just the fact of, you know, how did you deal with that diagnosis? And most of them say it was a relief. At least now I know there's really something wrong where before they just thought they were going crazy. And that's kind of what I saw in the film, was these poor guys just struggling, thinking that they're nuts, not knowing what is happening to them. And, um, I, and I just think that that's such a critical piece that we've, we have to raise a voice on this and, and do it in a, in a compassionate, caring way, not saying that we can fix it, not saying that we have all the answers, but we can support people in a gracious manner, and um, and and listen to them, you know, give them an outlet so that so that the researchers can truly learn what's going on, you know, with this disease. And I think that's such a a misstep not to not to engage and have those honest conversations because to me it puts us behind the eight ball um, of of fighting the battle of the disease. Um, Doctor Jason, wh- what would you I guess say to those comments of my idea? Is that something that aligns with you, or are you thinking, this gal's a little wacko?
1: <laughs> no, no. As you were talking, I mean, it, it resonates with me, and, you know, just, you said a lot, so I'll just pick out one thing there at the end. The whole idea of just having these feelings on the inside of uncertainty, that's probably the best thing mm-hmm. for me to call it, uh, just feelings of uncertainty and wondering, okay, what, what is this? What's going on? Why are these changes now? like you said, it's almost just a a relief uh, when you're able to understand, okay, I'm not the only one uh, dealing with this. I'm not the only one that has some uh, concerns or challenges or whatever it may be. Uh, So, you know, that part resonates with me about what you shared. But then also just going back to some of the things related to what were uh, depicted in the movie, you know, it was just, it was heartbreaking to see a lot of, um, just the examples and while they were actors they were still very good actors and they showed you know the guys that had that gradual decline but they felt isolated Mm -hmm. that's the part that that's that's just horrible if you really think about it and in some ways you really you really want to ask you know why did it come to that you know why did it take so long you know and and I'm just hoping that now, with uh, shows like yours and uh, some of the things that are taking place, uh, to really heighten awareness, more things can be done, and no one has to feel like they're isolated and they have to really uh, walk this thing out all by themselves. So, yeah, everything you shared—it's at some point it resonated with me.
0: Well, and even I remember one of the wives saying, "If I only would have known, if I only would have known, I would have, I would have, I would have done better. I would have, I would have changed." my response, but I didn't know, you know, and, and the fear the families had with, with some of the, um, you know, behaviors, you know, were really, um, outbursts and, and, really threatening to these families and how spooky, you know, um, for all sides to be involved in that when the guys knew that's not who they were and it's not who they wanted to be, but they couldn't stop those behaviors. Um, and and for the the children and the wives and and I'm sure the friends as well seeing these behaviors and um you know i don't know mike if if one of the reasons Dave moved was to isolate himself you know to try to hide it um because i I hear that from a lot of people they don't know what to do and and so they they mo- they move away and they kind of do a self isolation because they're afraid of hurting someone um just with regular dementia. For some people will not be able to even sleep in the same room anymore. And, and, you know, as a husband and wife or, you know, partner, that's a a significant change. But some of them wake up with these, you know, um, dreams and hallucinations and they start attacking who's next to them. And so they choose to sleep in separate rooms so that they don't harm their loved one. I mean, those are things we don't talk about And we need to have these conversations. Um, One of the things that I love about my job is in terms of being able to engage people. And so, one of the platforms that I have now is called Dementia Chats. And it's just a beautiful place for um, people with dementia to be able to be the experts because they know what it feels like, they know what it looks like, they know what it's doing to their bodies. Um, We're just all guessing you know so why not ask directly why not empower them to help the next guy um in terms of having these conversations it's just a a very simple concept and if there are you know um players listening that would like a a platform like that i would i would love to create another one specifically for you know brain injuries um and um we could even do one you know specific to the the CTE Um, to try to bring people together that are experiencing similar things and to help educate the public on what it's like. And we have phenomenal conversations. I learn something every time I do one of those. And, um, you know, they're free to the public. They're free to professionals. We record them. They're accessible. Um, And it's just there's so many simple little things that don't have to cost a lot of money, don't have to take a lot of time, but that we can learn from and we can empower all people with and um, it's just a, a neat thing that I, I think it's time in this element for organizations to stand up and say we can help we can't we can't take away what's happened um, the game may not even change in terms of rules or what's going on though I know a lot of that stuff's being looked at but we can we can support our players and we can support their families through information and through education and through community, um, and and I think that that could could help so so many. Um, Mike, what is your thought about? Um, do you think do you think uh, people playing football or families would be interested in additional support? What you're doing is wonderful. I love you're getting into those, the, you know, into the kids, into the schools. And stuff, but do you think that there's a need for families and players to have additional support as well?
2: Uh, yes, I do. We are uh, mem- uh, um, members of the NFL alumni and uh, also the NFL Players Association, retired players. We're charter members of both organizations. And one point that I'd like to make for your audience. Is that with CTE, uh, suicide is actually a a uh, side effect of the disease, and most people are not aware of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, so, the to have a form like you're speaking of uh, for the players, but also for for the wives and the children, because they they see their dad or their mother, if uh, it's a sport where right? females play you know, soccer, for example, or um, any other um, sports, women's basketball. We've kind
0: of gotten all into all of them lately. Uh, <laughs>
2: multiple concussions.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And to see a loved one change radically in their behavior and not be able to discuss it, uh, you, you find that uh, with, with NFL wives and meetings that I've been in that they're they're suffering very much because they don't have anyone to talk to about what's going on and uh, so your platform would would be well accepted and I think it will be as, uh greatly needed and will be uh, appreciated very much
0: and i think with um you know when you're dealing with with sports and stuff you know you've got elevated personalities and um i think a lot of times things are expected to be hidden more um from the public you know that it, you're in control and everything looks good and 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 dr jason am i wrong on that but it just always seems like you know everything's supposed to look good and and um and i would think that that would make it harder for families to be authentic in terms of dealing with their emotions um I, I don't know
1: think... i think you're i think you're dead on and i don't i don't think it's just the idea of the uh the sports context i think just human beings in general want to have it all together <laughs> they yeah. want to be perceived a certain way um and so once you once you start bumping into some things and, and you are sh- <clears throat> excuse me you're shown to not have it all together it can be it can be a little challenging. I mean, mm-hmm. that that can be problematic. And, you know, for many of us, this whole social desirability says that, you know, I, I want to be seen, you know, in, in a certain light. And it's hard to keep that up. And especially if there are some challenges uh, in terms of your, just your ability to live the way you've always, always lived because of some challenges related to mental health or whatever it may be. So, you know, it's, it's a very real thing. I mean, and, and the fact that you are creating open forums for this, um, I just think that's amazing. And more more of the guys need to hear. And it's not just – so let me press the pause button. It's not just us, the guys that played in the uh, National Football League. I mean, you have volleyball players, basketball players, soccer. I mean, there's so many people now uh, that really, you know, struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, based off of one hit, you know, to to their head or whatever it may be, it can change their lives. So the fact that you're heightening awareness and you're creating open uh, forums, I mean, Lori, that's that's exactly what we need. Uh, we just have to be open to receiving the help, though,
0: yeah. at this point. One of one of the, one of the um, other platforms is called, um, and I actually brought it over from the UK. is called the Memory Cafe, and it's probably one of the most beautiful things that I get to experience, and I learn so much from people. Um, it's just a, a just a, a really great place, and, and an honor to be a facilitator of these. But it allows people with dementia and their care partners to come. So, as husband and wife, or if it's a a dad and a daughter, or you know whatever. Um, But they they come and they are able to talk with peers that are going through this. And um, what is so cool is they walk in a little apprehensive. Usually one wants to come and the other one's kind of dragged in the door going, okay, I'll try it. But by the end of the first meeting, if not by the second for sure, I could prop them up in front of – somebody doing an interview for TV or some kind of news platform and they are just all in their embarrassment is gone. They're, they're empowered because they know they're not alone. They know that everybody around the table gets it and is supportive. And the disease brings us together, but it takes a back seat. And um, I think that's the beauty of it. It allows people to get back to the core of their relationships and in even with some of the larger organizations, they're like, well, you know, you can't have a person with dementia and the care partners at the same meeting. And it's kind of like, well, where the heck do you think they are the rest of the day? They're together, you know. Um, we need to be able to talk respectfully. We need to let people get back to the core of who they are. And and help build on that instead of take it away. So that one person is always caring for someone else. And really kind of get rid of that term caregiver and really get back to care care. Care companions or care partners, so it's a two-way street, and um, get people to be able to laugh and cry and and process those emotions and and feel grateful for what they still have left and um, what's around them to, to really live in the present moment and, and it, it's just a it's an incredible forum that I think has so much power and and could probably be used in this um, this setting as well. Um, you know the conversations are just just unbelievable, and um the camaraderie is just so tight and i i as I see that one of the biggest failures of society is is the isolation and the embarrassment and and that 's another forum that kind of takes that away and empowers people to feel good again as a person, even though they 're not perfect, none of us are you know, and we kind of joke about that it 's like you know we're we 're all carrying our baggage. It just comes in different sizes and in different lots and hits us in different ways. So, you know, if if dementia and neurological um, disorders have one thing to teach us is that none of us is perfect. And, you know, so let's just clear that off the table right now. Let's stop striving for that and let's learn to be authentic, you know, because authenticity brings us so much peace and so much joy and, um, you know, simplifying things because we've gotten so... Fast paced and, and things, so um, yeah, it's just uh, like I said, I, I just I'm so behind all of this and would love to um, love to help create some change. so hopefully even just our, our conversation will get some of our listeners and and um, and maybe some some players um, and um, some organizations thinking a little bit differently that this doesn't have to break the bank. Um, it can actually I think support them. Um, from draining the bank in a lot of ways, um, just by doing social good, just by remembering we're people and we're human at our core and that we need support. Now, I do want to um, see, Mike, if, if you had anything else you wanted to add, but I, I definitely want to talk a little bit more about, you know, the, the, um, the foundation that you've built and how people can uh, get involved in that. But did you have any comments on, on what we were just talking about?
2: Uh, I think you've done, you and Jason have done a great job of explaining uh, the realities and the experiences of, of the players. And um, I would just uh, ask a question concerning how people can become involved. Uh, we have a website that has a very simple uh, name, which is DD, like Dave Dorson, The word fund, F-U-N-D, dot org. So ddfund.org. And you can go to that site and you can see what we're doing. Uh, We've had this site since 2012. We provide white papers and all kinds of up-to-date information concerning uh, traumatic brain injuries, not just concussions. But... uh, It uh, is an opportunity to get good information and um, we concentrate on things that are happening to children. And our hope is that through um, these efforts we'll be able to uh, facilitate some research with our children and look at long-term effects because one of the things that uh, the researchers are currently looking at is uh, uh, markers, uh, DNA markers for people and and that would be more susceptible to concussion than others. And um, I've been blessed to be able to be a part of the legend study, which is mainly professional athletes. But um, since I've been being treated For so many decades, uh, for my various uh, maladies, the the directors of the uh, testing uh, chose to have me be uh, one of the uh, legend study uh, members, and I've also left my brain and spinal cord to the brain bank where Dave's uh, brain and spinal cord cord are located. And uh, we look just alike, so uh, my thinking is we may share a lot of DNA markers. That might be the same, and perhaps uh, some something good can come out of the study of myself and and you
0: know. Yep. Yeah. It really is about helping the next guy, and and we do need to get more people involved with these brain banks and um, the research and. Um, you know, the studies that are going on right now, it's just absolutely critical because we're, we're not going to get a cure if we if we don't have anything to study. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's kind of a basic thing, but yet it's I think it's severely overlooked um, and uh, people are scared on, in terms of is it going to affect their insurance and who's going to know. And I mean, there's just a, there's a lot there's a lot of worry. Um, regarding research, and um, we really have to back that better, um, in order to in order to really move move ahead um, with things. Now, um, Dr. Jason, I'm just wondering, you know, for you, and then I'll throw this back to Mike again. Do you know others that have um, head injuries, and and how are they how are they doing with uh, if it's traumatic brain or if it's um, CTE? Um, how are they, how are they coping?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, again, a lot of the guys, uh, they will share what they think it may be. Mm -hmm. Uh, but they are not very forthcoming with it. Uh, and it's almost, uh, this is the sad part uh, that you touched on earlier, but it's almost like a, a sense of uh, shame Mm -hmm. that's associated with it. And, the guys that I talk to, because we'll get together for whatever it may be, uh, appearance or seeing the children or talking to the youth, and and you can tell there's something going on, uh, but they don't really like to talk about it, and I can't blame them. I don't like to talk about anything <laughs> like that. It's uh, It really speaks to, um, you know, facing some things that you may not want to face uh, at that point. Uh, but, you know, um it's an unspoken thing right now for the most part. Um, and so the coping part is really not dealing with it mm-hmm. right now. Um, and until you really gain some clarity, uh, on whether or not it's, it's truly there. Um, you know, it, it's not really something that's discussed too much, uh, other than maybe a offhanded remark to try and make, make light of it or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Laura, it's not—it's not something that's really focused, and people are trying to discuss next steps or getting help around certain things, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it makes total sense, and that's what I've seen in my years with uh, just Alzheimer's and dementia in general. Is and when you say the shame game, I mean, it, it's—it that's awful. Nobody should feel ashamed of having a disease, and yet—and yet there is such shame, and and. Um, and blame too um, that comes from all different directions with this, and you know that we've got to get rid of that. We've you know we've we've gone in and we've supported um, cancer when people couldn't even say the word; it was just the c word, you know. Um, we've gone in and supported um, you know AIDS where people couldn't have that conversation, and, and it's time it's time for all these neurological disorders to get out of the closet and get into the living room, and, and people be able to have a comfortable conversation. And the only way we can do that is to be honest. And, you know, that yeah. might be through tears and laughter, um, but, you know, we have to have these authentic conversations. Um, it's, it, it's what people deserve, you know. It, it's, it, it should be almost a rite of passage in terms of this life as far as I'm concerned. Um, and uh, not something that that they have to struggle with. Um, it, there's too many other things to struggle with. We've got to support. We've got to support these people. Um, you know, dealing with this. Um, we just have to. We've got to change. Um, so thank you so much for that.
1: Um, no, absolutely. And if I can add one other thing, I know. Uh, you know, it's. I think one other thing that we we have to be mindful of is that. If we're going to be transparent and open and admit that there's an issue, mm-hmm. <laughs> we need a lot of uh, support, you know, <laughs> around that. So it, that's huge because I think the part that no one wants is that if you say something and then you're ridiculed or someone says you don't have that or you're trying to do something, it's just it just makes it worse. Yeah. It makes it worse.
0: So. Well, and we just had a conversation on our dementia chat, so probably within the last two months, about how many of them are diagnosed with, with Alzheimer's or Lewy body or frontal temporal lobe or Alzheimer's, whatever it might be, and they have family and friends argue with them. Well, you look fine. Well, you, I'm not fine. I know I'm not fine. The doctors say I'm not fine. And and some of them, even speaking out on Facebook and becoming advocates, some of them have actually gotten attacked by others verbally, um, saying there's no way that you can have this disease and still give a speech. There's no way you can. And, and everybody, everyone who's diagnosed with a neurological disorder is going to respond a little bit different. Their symptoms are going to be a little bit different. And, you know, we have to, we have to start being respectful of that. Um, it, it isn't an ABCD type process, and, um, and everybody who cares for somebody is going to react different. Every environment is going to trigger, you know, things changing, and, and we all want this kind of silver bullet answer, and it's not there. It's about building a toolkit. It's about um, being gracious. It's about starting to ask ourselves, why is this here and what can I learn from it? Instead of um, why, why me?" and um, in, in feeling sorry for it being there, not that you're not going to go through that. that's part of the grief process. But if we can get people empowered to say, "What can I do to help out the next guy? What can I do to help myself, my family? What can I learn?" Because so many of the lessons that I've learned through my mom's 30-year journey with this disease, um, they're life- enhancing in all areas of my life. Not just when I'm talking with somebody with dementia, um, but with everybody I interact with. And and I think there's just beautiful life lessons that can be learned and embraced if we give people the opportunity to do that, if we give them permission to be honest and authentic and, um, and not always look pretty, you know, and, and do it right. Because none of us do. I mean, none of us do. We're not perfect, you know. Um, so I just I cannot thank you to enough for being with us today. I I just think that this has just been such a a, a fun and brilliant conversation and hopefully we've we've raised some awareness here. Um Mike was there there anything else that you wanted to to talk about? You are just doing such great work, you know, with your Dave Durson um Athletic Safety Fund in in working with the schools and the kids. I just I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, Oh, I know one thing I I wanted to ask you was about your servant leadership um, calling. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Well, it's um, a function of the uh, task that God has given us, uh, my wife and myself. Uh, We look at our fund as a missionary effort. And uh, you were just talking about um, the need to be forthright with the disease. And I've come to a point where I wear my uh, mental health and uh, neurological problems as badges of courage. And I'm very open about it. Um, My brother Dave was my... Medical power of attorney for 23 years. And during that 23 years, I voluntarily went into the locked psych ward 18 times. And uh, it was a conscious decision. The guy gave me a sixth sense that when I would feel myself going toward rage, I would take myself out of the family and off the streets and into the locked psych ward. Where I could, with my my Bible in hand, where I could uh, study the Bible and uh, have private time with my uh, psychiatrist until I was ready to come back out. And uh, God allowed me to be at a level in corporate America where I didn't lose my jobs. Uh, because I was taking that uh, time away until the final uh, instance in 2009 where the the government just finally, I think, looked at what was going on and the frequency of occurrence of uh, hospitalization and uh, took me out of the traditional workforce. Mm -hmm. I I think that uh, also we... I've been involved with the Indiana State Legislature getting laws changed. Uh, there are four laws that uh, I've written the foundation for. Uh, and not this last March, we got the first law changed, which uh, basically says that coaches and assistant coaches for beginning a grade, fifth grade through 12th grade, have to take tests and pass it with a certification uh, mainly offered through the uh, centers of disease control on uh, concussion uh, awareness education detection and treatment and they have to take this test every two years and pass it or they can't coach in, in the public school system in indiana and we have uh Three other laws I've written the foundation for. Uh, The fourth and final law is addressing mental illness. In the state of Indiana, mental uh, illness is not considered a medical situation. It's actually considered civil disobedience. I don't know how many other states have uh, backward laws like that, but in Indiana, it's not a mental problem not a medical problem, it is a civil disobedience. So the people that uh, have mental health problems end up in the courtroom sitting next to criminals. And it's just a terrible situation. And uh, God has given me the the direction and and the words and the ability to uh, work with the legislators to try and get that law changed, and my intent is uh, to be able to live long enough and and continue to communicate effectively to to uh, see that change occur.
0: Wow, that's um, those. There's a lot of laws that need to be changed, um, I think regarding this, and um, I'm so glad to to have you as such a solid advocate. Um, and to be um, proud of proud of your work, I mean it's it's amazing um, the work that you are doing, and I, I thank you so much for that, Mike. Um, Jason, I have one last um, question I just wanted to run by you, um, and I'll, I'll ask Mike on this too before we end. Um, what are your thoughts not only on the NFL, but just our our community and school sports guidelines for head injuries? what What are your what's your take? on this? Do they need to change? Um, and if so, how?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think right now they take their cues from some of the more established entities like college and then on into the, uh, national football league. So I don't know that you're going to see a lot of, you know, major changes, uh, right now. <laughs> and that's the, that's the sad part. I, in my opinion, You know, I think that some of those things certainly need to change. You know, um, a lot of these young people have the idea and feeling that they are invincible, so they want those big hits. They want the top competition. They'll do whatever it takes. And they need that, um, I guess you say, that measured voice from their coaches, from their trainers, from even administrators saying, hey, let's keep the, the main thing the main thing, which is health, you know, certainly great competition, but at the end of the day we don't want to risk, you know, uh, debilitating injuries or anything like that. But a lot of that is going to be really drawn from the cues of colleges and the professional ranks. So I do think there, there actually need to be changes, but it would have to take a movement. I mean, it would really – It would really have to be intentionality for some of those things to take place, and I just don't know where that's going to come from, unless it's someone like Mike and yourself, Mm -hmm. and and then also, you know, even with my uh, advocating it as well, but it's just going to have to be uh, just a groundswell and a movement uh, people that will say, hey, you know, let's rethink some of these rules, especially for our youth.
0: Mm -hmm. Great, thank you. Anything you want to add there, Mike?
2: I, I think you've covered it very well, uh, and I don't want to bore the audience by repeating those things you've said.
0: Okay, well, great. Well, again, I, I thank you both so much time, uh, so much for your time and, and your work and your leadership um, and your voice. Um, we can't change unless we start having a conversation, and so I, I thank you for having a conversation with us here on Alzheimer's Speaks about this critical issue um, and, um, Michael, in, in order for people to reach out to you, they can go to your website, which is uh, www.ddfund, that's F-U-N-D dot org, um, or they can email you at mike at the dot org. Uh, and last, uh, you've, it's okay to share your phone number, I just want to confirm that. On air? Yes. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. And that number is 847 707 2332. That's 847 707 2332. And for Dr. Jason, you can go to his website at www.jason, and that's J A S O N, Carthen, which is C A R. T-H-E-N dot com. Um, Jason, was there any other um, contact information you wanted to give or people can pretty much grab a hold of you uh, through the website?
1: Oh, no, they can uh, get a hold of me on the website, but then also I, I just recently uh, really had a lot of success engaging my audience by just telling them to send me a text message. They can text me uh, the message, I Speak Life, to eight four seven zero and then they will be connected with me and it will be a good uh, opportunity to stay connected
0: wonderful well thank you to again for for all you um have done in terms of of sharing your time and experience and thoughts with us here on alzheimer speaks radio and i wish you both the best of luck
1: thank you Lori. thank you
0: thank you for our listeners, if you uh, missed our last shows, uh, we just got through talking with um, uh, Colette Wood, who was talking about spiritual care. Uh, so you might want to check that uh, that podcast out. We also talked with uh, Gary LeBlanc and Lisa Rodriguez about managing Alzheimer's and dementia behaviors in a healthcare setting. And we had Tom and Karen Brenner on, too, last week, uh, speaking about removing the doom and gloom from dementia, and their focus is really with the Montessori method. Um, Our next show, we are going to have a director on with us for a new documentary film that probably isn't going to be released, actually, until uh, late 2017 to uh, 2018, And we're also going to be hearing from Brian LeBlanc, who is just a staunch advocate living with dementia down in Florida. So um, you can always subscribe to the show. You can listen to them live or you can uh, listen to them at your leisure. Our next Dementia Chats is scheduled for June 28th, and that'll be at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, 9 Mountain, 8 Pacific, and 4 o'clock London time, Our last one, we talked about um, advocacy and how they are using film and video to do that and the impact it has on them. Our last uh, conscious caring uh, resource was with uh, behavior specialist uh, Alon Caspi, and he talked about dementia in wood carving. He uh, actually carved a wooden brain that is now um, being used uh, at Yale University to help educate uh, children when they come through. And our next interview will be with Claire Webster from Canada, and she is with the Caregiver Crosswalk. Um, you know, just check out, uh, go ahead and check out alzheimerspeaks.com. The front page is always rotating with, uh, with our most current information there. Uh, one last thing I do want to mention is that if you are concerned about a loved one who might wander, Um, you may want to take advantage of the Caregiver Alert Center. Um, And you can click on um, their ad just on our our front page. And it's very easy to sign somebody up when you're not in the thick of crisis. And you can get your pictures and height and weight and all that information posted. And if somebody were to wander, um, all you have to do is contact them with the police case number and within 10 minutes, they will have that information disseminated. And I'm telling you, that is critical because I personally um, dealt with a friend who had a missing loved one, and it did not go smoothly at all. Um, they have a buddy list. Um, it can change languages depending on where you're at. It's it's a pretty cool thing. So check that out as well. In wrapping up, I just want to say God bless you all, and um, take advantage of our free tools that you can get. Um, on alzheimerspeaks.com. Just go ahead and sign up and uh, check out for sure our memory chip, which teaches us how to really be person-centered and get away from task-based care to really focusing on are they safe? Are they happy? Are they pain-free? We'll talk to you soon.
1: It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed,